paying attention, you may have noticed that we haven't had a Bible reading yet. If, if you didn't notice that, um, well, there it is. Um, a huge part of our church service has passed you by. And we, could, could you grab your Bibles? Because we're going to come to God's Word in sort of in a, in a way where we weave it into the, the sermon. There are three passages I'd like us to look at this morning. But the first of those is on Deuteronomy uh, chapter 26. It's on page 204, and we'll pick up there just shortly. I, I showed you a, a couple of photographs about a year ago when I was talking about the, the Bible, and I'm going to show you them again. Um, in the summer of 2008, on our family holiday, as we were traveling through Europe, uh, our family visited the Wartburg. It's a castle uh, near Eisenach in Thuringia in Germany. It's a castle with a, a long, illustrious history uh, for all sorts of things, really. But it's probably most famous because of its association with Martin Luther, the great German reformer. In the 1520s, so this is a, a few years now after he had nailed his 95 theses to the, the doors of the castle church in Wittenberg. Uh, Luther had been excommunicated from the church of his day by Pope Leo X. Uh, this was after his refusal to recant his radical beliefs and teachings at the Diet of Worms. This excommunication put Luther in grave danger. So his protector, Frederick the Wise, had him kidnapped and brought to the Wartburg for his own safety. And he stayed there under, under disguise as Junker Jorg. He, he would have been called the Knight George. And if, you, if the picture of Luther comes up there, you'll see that the hipsters that we have today are, are actually old news. Luther was there long, long before them. Church leaders were were sorry, the, the leaders of the established church, they were sorry that Luther had escaped their clutches, but they were delighted that they'd silenced him. For years, he'd been teaching his radical theology. He'd started to gain a real following, and now they'd put him away. This huge threat to the church all of a sudden had disappeared little was heard of this maverick monk. Luther stayed in the Wartburg history tells us for, from, for 10 months, from May of 1521 until March of 1522. So if you, you notice the years we're in, it's round about exactly 500 years ago. He might have been out of sight, out of mind, but he hadn't gone away. He hadn't been silenced. In fact, he was raising a sound that was going to change the world. The danger to a corrupt church hadn't passed. Luther was doing his most dangerous work of all. You see, during that period, Luther locked himself in a small room and he translated the New Testament from ancient Greek into German in just 10 weeks. Luther's wasn't the first German translation of the Bible, but it quickly became the most well-known and most widely circulated. And in that moment, Luther dropped a bomb 
into the church of his time. He'd wrestled the, church, the, the Bible, which had, had been held in the hands of the church in its Latin translation for over a thousand years. He'd wrestled the Bible from the priests and given it now to the people. These 10 months of work hidden away in this small room were possibly the most influential of all of Luther's works. This morning we're going to think about God's word, about its importance, its power, and then I'm going to invite you third to lift it and read it for yourselves. We're coming just now to the end of our studies in Deuteronomy. We spent the first eight weeks in the opening section of the book in chapters 1 to 11, Moses' opening speech. We've spent the last three weeks in the middle section, which dealt, as you might remember, with a variety of laws, and we looked at three different headings. We talked about the importance of choosing true worship, true leadership, and true community. And now we come to the third and final section of Deuteronomy, chapters 27 to 34, where we have a a record of Moses' final speech and death. We're going to look at this today and then in a couple of weeks' time in a final sermon in the series. This morning we're going to think about what it means to choose the word of life. And then in a couple of weeks' time we're going to wrap up our Deuteronomy series with a final invitation. Don't choose death, choose life. Let me show you very quickly how there's an emphasis on God's word in these closing chapters of Deuteronomy. Let's pick up Moses, first of all, in chapter 26. You have it open there, I hope, in front of you. Deuteronomy 26. Moses is concluding here this long middle section of 15 chapters where he's been reiterating the law that he first gave to the people on Mount Sinai. Look at what he says, verse 16. The Lord your God commands you this day to fully follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, commands, and laws, that you will listen to him. And the Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession as he promised, and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise, fame, and honor, high above all the nations he has made, and that you will be a holy people, holy to the Lord your God, as he promised. Isn't it beautiful what God promises his people? They're to be his treasured possession. He wants them to be set in praise and fame and honor before a watching world. What are they to do? They're to follow his decrees and laws. There's something going on here I don't want you to miss. If you flick over to chapter 29, you'll see that the NIV heading there of chapter 29 talks about a renewal of the covenant. If you look at the opening verses of 29, these are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in Moab 
in addition to the covenant he made with them at Horeb, that is Sinai. God's effectively asking Moses to reestablish with this generation the covenant relationship that he'd established with their fathers at Sinai. God will be their God and they will be his people. And it's in this moment while he's reestablishing the covenant with a new generation that Moses makes sure that God's word will be right at the heart of, of this nation's life going forward. Flick with me to chapter 31 now and verse 9. So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, in the year for canceling debts, during the festival of tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your towns, so that they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You see the lengths that Moses is going to in order to keep God's word before these people? Uh, one last passage. Chapter 32, verse 46. After commanding God's people to obey God's word and to pass it on to their children, Moses tells them why he, he wants them to do that. Take these words to heart. Take to heart all these words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. By them, you will live in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess. I'd been reading the Bible for years before I saw this verse. And, and once I saw it, I, I was just very much struck by it. This passage and a few others like it have have made me want to preach Deuteronomy for you. Moses is passionate about God's word. They're not just idle words for you. They are your life. Brothers and sisters, I need to tell you, if you aren't in God's word, then you are missing out on life. We're going to spend the rest of our time this morning thinking about the place of God's word in our lives. I'm going to talk about the importance of God's word, the power of God's word, and I'm going to invite you to read God's word. So first of all, the importance of God's word. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to keep revisiting this because I want to ensure that the Bible 
has a part in, in Hamilton Road's DNA going forward. I know that preaching in our church service has been an important value here for years. I'm delighted about that, and I want that to, to continue to be uh, extremely important to us. This morning, I'm thinking particularly of you and your Bible and of the part that the Bible plays in your life. Some years ago, one of the American megachurches, after years of uh, explosive growth, they asked themselves a question. They said, we have grown, we've grown a lot in numbers, but have our people grown in, in spiritual depth? That took a lot of courage on their part. Uh, I, I would wonder how comfortable we would be to ask questions like that here. When they asked the question, they found that members of the congregation hadn't grown, at least not to the extent that they would have liked. Among many other things, here's what they found. They found that nothing has greater impact on spiritual growth than reflection on Scripture. They found that if churches could do only one thing to help people at all levels of spiritual maturity to grow in their relationship with Christ, their cho choice is clear. They would inspire, encourage, and equip their people to read the Bible, specifically to reflect on Scripture for meaning in their lives. Isn't that interesting? A church that had grown explosively, a church that had a reputation for all sorts of innovative practices and seeker-sensitive worship. And yet, when they ask the simple question, how do people actually grow? They discover the truth. The truth of Deuteronomy 32 verse 47. The truth of the importance of God's word. These are not just idle words for you. They are your life. In 2017, uh, talking about the Reformation a little bit here today, the, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, around about that time, I and, and a lot of other people too caught a bit of a Reformation bug. So I got into the Reformation and read around it a little bit. One of the things I started to do was to read Calvin's Institutes. I'll not ask for a show of hands of who has read. I don't know if you've ever seen a copy of Calvin's Institutes. I started to read it. Don't ask me how far I got. Just don't ask me. But I did, I did get started. Calvin talks a lot about the importance of the Bible. Here's what he says. It's important for any man to obtain even the minutest portion of right and sound doctrine without being a disciple of Scripture. A person can't even begin to know God well without being into the Bible. Calvin got me thinking. I thought, I wonder, is he right? And I thought across my own life, do I know any mature Christians, people who really inspire me, people who make me want to run after Jesus, 
who, who haven't immersed themselves in God's word. I couldn't think of any. You see, those who don't have the word of God don't have the life of God. So there it is. The importance of God's word. I want to think with you for a moment now about the power of God's word. God's word brings new worlds into being. That's the very first thing we learn about it. In, in the opening chapters of Genesis, when we read the creation account, the pattern is, is very, very simple. God said, and then it happened. And God said, and it was so. God says it, it happens. God wills it, it comes about. God speaks and new worlds appear. In a deliberate reference to Genesis chapter 1, John starts his gospel, his account of the life of Jesus, by calling him the Word. You might have picked up that, that Leslie was using that passage as she called us to worship this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John goes on to tell us about how this word that was so powerfully at work in creation then came and lived among us. That child born in Bethlehem, that man hanging on the cross, that's the word and the will of God made flesh in human form. You see, God not only created us by his word, it was through his word, the fleshly word, Jesus, that he saved us. God's word creates us and saves us. And, and the spirit of God uses, continues to use the word of God today to transform us if only we'll allow him. These are not idle words for you. They are your life. All of the, the power of God available to us comes to us through the word of God as his spirit brings it to our lives. That's the extent of its power. I know I've spoken a couple of times here about Marilyn Robinson, my appreciation of her novels and her writing, but I can't remember if I've introduced you to, to one of my heroes, John Ames, uh, the character in her novel, Gilead. He's an old congregationalist pastor. And old John is a man of the Bible. He's been reading it and he's been preaching it all his life. At one point, Lila, this young woman whom he's married in his old age, she, she comments about John and the place of the Bible in his life. She said, the Bible was truer than life for him. So it was natural enough that his thinking would be taken from it. Don't be fooled by the simplicity of Robinson's writing. This is, this is profound. The Bible was truer than life for him. These aren't idle words for John Ames. They've become his life. His thinking 
is taking from it. Such is the power of God's word that it's reshaped him entirely. It's reshaped his mental world. God's word doing what God's word does creates new worlds. Friends, I hope that these reflections on the importance and the power of God's word go some way to explaining what it is I try to do in my ministry. I try to teach you the Bible. I invite you also to to read the Bible for yourself, and I do both because I, I want your thinking to be taken from it. One of my professors at Regent College, he said his task was to to get God's story so deep inside you that when something happens, you just intuitively react in the character of God that's revealed in this story. You don't have to think about it because it's who you are. This story is so deep inside you, it's just where you come from. Folks, when that starts to happen, when God's word starts to inhabit us and to to, to shape how we live, then what we see, Deuteronomy 32, 47, God's word becoming our life. We've talked about the importance of the Bible. We've talked about its power. There's really only one way to end a sermon like this. I want to invite you to hear and reflect on, to read and to study the Bible. First of all, let me invite you to hear and reflect on the Word of God. Come to church. Come every week to hear God's Word. If you miss it, catch up on YouTube or on the podcast. Join a discipleship group. Find a place where you get to reflect on God's Word not, not just to hear it, but to go deep and to, to work it into your life. Do that in community with other people. As well as hearing the word and reflecting on it in community, read it and study it for yourself. Maybe you're somebody who used to do that. You used to use Bible reading notes, but you haven't done it for a while. Go home today Get online, order a new set of Bible reading notes. Go to the Faith Mission Bookshop and get some Bible reading notes. Get ready to start 2023 with God's Word. Perhaps you're more comfortable online using Bible reading apps. If you haven't got U version on your phone yet, why not? Get God's Word so that you read it and enjoy it. Folks, I've been around Hamilton Road for a couple of years and you'll know that this isn't the first time that I've been encouraging you to to read the Bible. Last year in 2021, I encouraged people to try maybe reading a psalm per day, got a a Bible reading movement going. Uh, Some of you started to do that. Some of you had been doing that all your life. Uh, Maybe that's something you could do or return to. You'll have heard me uh, talk in our announcements uh, about book by book. That's a a Bible reading plan that I have started for 2022. This is a a plan that's going to run 
uh, for a couple more years. So if you haven't already got one of these brochures, grab one at an exit today and, and get a, a look at that to see if that would help you to read the Bible. I thought it would be helpful today to hear from somebody who is trying to do what we're talking about here today, trying to choose the word of life. And I, I don't have too far uh, to go today. So uh, Leslie's been leading for us today, but uh, she's going to come and uh, help me think about this for a second. Leslie, you and I will share this microphone. I'll ask a question and then I'll step back and uh, you'll get to, to share with us. Uh, Leslie, a first question. Um, I've got to know you a little bit. I, I know that you're busy. You're, you're like a lot of people of, of our generation. Leslie, how is it and why is it that you think it's important to prioritize reading the Bible? Um, thanks for that question. <laughs> um, I don't want to stand here in front of, of anybody and pretend that I am up at six o'clock reading the Bible every morning. That wouldn't be a fair representation um, of, of my prioritizing the Bible. But I know that it's important and I know that it changes my relationship with God when I do it. So. Um, I get it wrong probably more than I get it right, but I'm trying really hard. And I understand that if I'm committed to a life um, with God in Christ, then the only way to do that is to get to know God better. And the only way to do that is through his unfiltered word, not through reading books about the Bible or listening to podcasts or singing songs or even listening to sermons, but actually spending time in the word that God has given us that reveals himself to us. And for me, how I've done that is... Um, is finding a way that works for me. I don't find Bible notes and, and things that move about um, very helpful for me. I like getting into a book and reading a book and understanding the context of that book um, and, and being able to do book by book with a group of people where we can come together and discuss the things that have been difficult um, and to ask questions and to sometimes get answers to those questions at the end of the month um, is really, really helpful in helping me understand the word better. Leslie, thank you for that. Could you give us an example of something that you've learned uh, sometime when God has, has spoken to you and given you something in his word? Yeah, I think um, this month I've learned that Jeremiah is really hard. Um, and I'm sure some of you who are following it are feeling the same. But I think my biggest takeaway in reading it is, is the absolute importance of of knowing the Old Testament and how important understanding that Old Testament at a level that's more than a Sunday school story level is for, for taking that into the New Testament. Um, and I think one of the examples is in Deuteronomy and, in, and again in Judges, we hear about these cities of refuge um, that people can run to when they're in trouble. And then in Hebrews, we read that Jesus is our city of refuge that we can run to. Um, and so when you read things in the New Testament. The New Testament was written for an audience that understood the scriptures and understood the Old Testament. So we have to be able to do that as well. And that has fundamentally changed when I'm reading the New Testament, my understanding of it and my understanding of, of some of the, the people that we come across in the New Testament. And I think one other thing I was add is that when you read consistently in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you understand even how these, these pillars of faith like Abraham and Moses and David and, and in the New Testament, people like Peter got it wrong so often. And so it's okay when we get it wrong too because God's faithful. Um, and, and it's good to read of other people getting it wrong as well. 
I'll say amen to that. One of the things I've learned reading the Bible is that there is no hero in this story other than Jesus Christ. Uh, all those people we were told were heroes of the faith are getting it wrong, just like us. But he doesn't. What, one last question, Leslie. What's the overall effect been for you um, over, the, over your life so far of consistently spending time in God's word? Um, I think mostly it's just a, a better relationship with God. I wouldn't expect to meet somebody new in this place and get to know them by somebody else telling me about them or in any walk of life. So if I want to get to know God, I'm going to go to where God is telling me about him and that's in his word. And again, it's that unfiltered access to what God's saying. His word is spirit breathed as we read in Timothy. And so if I, you know, when I met Eddie, I wouldn't have, have um, let people tell me about Eddie. I would have wanted to get to know Eddie by spending that time with him. And, and even as we develop in relationship, spending that time together is important for learning about each other as you grow. And so how much more important is that with God, that we understand exactly what God is teaching us as we grow with him um, from his word. Uh, Leslie, thank you. Thank you for that. Folks, we're nearly finished here. We're, we've talked about the importance and the power of God's word, and we're taking a few moments to, to shake ourselves up a little to see if we're ready to come back to God's word. Maybe you've already got your reasons why you don't read the Bible or, or not very much. I don't have time. Shall we do the math very quickly, as the Americans would say? Do, do a wee sum for me. Add together the hours of television, of social media, and that kind of stuff in your life. And, yeah, you've done that? Now, is there a bit of time to read the Bible? I think there is, for many of us. Another objection that we might have so there, there there might be more time to read the bible than we will always admit i don't understand parts of the bible we might say i, I think that's that's a valid valid comment uh, and what i want to say about that is don't worry about that just just keep reading um, a, a gentleman we know here in this congregation has recently written a book um, about about reading the Bible, Gary Miller. And, and one of the biggest things Gary says in this book, chapter after chapter, is just do it. Don't worry about the bit you don't understand. Enjoy the bits that you do, and, and you'll, you'll learn and you'll grow. Here, here's another quotation from John Calvin. I love this one. He says, It's better to limp in the way of Scripture than to run with the greatest swiftness out of it. Doesn't matter how clever we think we are in other areas or other walks of life. Better to limp in the way of scripture than to run with the greatest swiftness out of it. We've been talking today about the importance and the power of God's word. I've invited you today 
to keep reading God's Word, to make plans to start or restart reading God's Word, to do that today, to plan to, to do that into 2023. I, I need to tell you, in, the, in recent years in my life, I've come through a bit of a conversion experience in, in all of this. Like many of you, I grew up in churches like this one that had a strong emphasis on preaching the Word of God. I love that. I wouldn't want to be in or anywhere near a church that didn't teach the Word of God. That's why I became a minister, a teaching elder, because I wanted to, to help with that work of teaching God's Word. But here's where I've, I've moved a bit. I, I thought that this, that, that standing up once or twice a week preaching sermons was enough. I don't believe that anymore. I want to keep preaching and, and by God's grace getting better and better at it, but I want you to learn to, to read God's word yourselves. I want you to see that these aren't idle words for you. 500 years ago, that, that maverick German monk, he, he thought that something needed to change in the way we were doing church, and he went to great lengths to make that possible, to get the Bible from the church into the hands of the people. We need another reformation today. We need God's people to come back to God's word. We need to read the Bibles that we have in our homes and on our phones. We need every one of us to choose the word of life. Let's, let's pray.